Hey, this is Foyana with the Tech After Five podcast. And uh, you know what? We're in a brand new world, right? Uh, we have reached out to the folks who uh, listen to this and read our emails. And you know what we found out? They're still hiring. Many of them are still hiring. What does that mean? There's no more in-person interviews. So what's happening now is that you've got to be able to do a good interview on Zoom. You know, I talk to lots of people who say, oh, I don't know, I get my resume in, and then I go through and do the interview, and then it just kind of falls apart. I don't really know what goes on, but I never hear back from people. Well, what we're worried is that you might not be nailing that video interview. So we brought an expert here, and uh, we've got uh, Carol Hamilton with us. And Carol is, yeah, one side of Scott, but underneath on my screen, Carol Hamilton, thank you for being here, friend. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to be here and any help that we can give is, is good. Is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I think we're here to help people. And so yes. uh, we've got to make sure we're asking good questions and the guy who brings in his own experience. I got my friend Scott Pfeiffer here. Scott, you're going to help, right? I'm going to try, Phil. We'll see what we got. Yeah, I'm not worried about that at all. All right, so Carol, you start us off. I mean, here's the deal. You, we all agree first off, I mean, on a, on a couple of the premises here, right? And maybe I'll start with Scott on this bit is we agree on the premise that people are still hiring. When we reach out into our audience, we do not hear, I mean, there are some who may not be, but lots of folks are still building teams. We do get a lot of uh, comments from both employers and recruiters saying that they're looking for people. So must be. Yeah. So we're getting those things right off the bat. So we know, and knowing that we also, again, we want people to be good at this. So we're going to help them. Carol, you've brought us uh, some, we've got nine things that you can do to make sure you nail your Zoom interview. Is that right? Absolutely. And it all starts, I mean, a lot of these aren't, haven't changed from great techniques for any interview, but we are going to add in the Zoom component because the Zoom component is a bit of a game changer. And just to set the, put the setting in, you really want to think about what they're looking at. So whatever you can do to make your background as stable as possible so that there's not activity going on behind you is going to serve you. Because we want to make sure they're not looking at your kids or your dog or anything else going on behind you. They're focusing on you. And that's, that's where you want to start. Put away anything that you might have wanted to eat or drink because you don't want to be doing that on camera. It's too close to a microphone and you might already have enough adrenaline going that you don't want to be slurping or crunching or anything else into that. So that's just, that's just kind of getting the setting. Um, you've actually talked a few times about lighting. Is there any quick tips you want to throw in there on that, Phil? Well, I mean, my thing is I think you ought to be well lit, right? So just to make it easy, it's makes it easy on the camera. And remember that the other person is not just talking to you. They are watching you for eye, what looks like eye contact. They're looking to see body language. Um, they want to get, the, they're, they're making a judgment about whether you're a good fit, whether they should trust you or not. And they're doing it all based on what they see. So help them out and make it easy for them to find you. Right. And make sure that you give eye contact, just like you would in a, in a, across a table, only this time you're looking at a camera. So wherever that little green light is, make sure that you're looking there so it feels like they're getting eye contact as though you were in the room. And those are some of the things that make it different. And go ahead, Scott. No, I think, hey. I think that's a un, unnatural, right? I mean, that's, what, that's a thing you have to teach yourself. So, you know, even now, I want to look you in the eye for those of 
might be watching the podcast, if I look you in the eye, it does not look like I am looking you in the eye. It looks like I am looking down. I might even be doing something else. So I have trained myself when we do these things to spend most of my time looking at that tally light, right? The little green confidence light right there and says, okay. And the reason I do that is not because I'm comfortable with it, because I'm not. I'm just looking at a little tiny black dot with a little green <laughs> dot next to it. It's right. not much fun. But I do know this. It makes you feel better if I can teach myself to do that. Right, Scott? That's right. And you don't want to be backlit like you're in the witness protection program or on some uh, you know, news channel thing where you're the, the hidden confidential informant, you know, Yes. Uh, whose name has been changed to protect the innocent. So, you know, I think it's a really good idea to figure out which platform your interview is going to be on. Right. Maybe it's Zoom, maybe it's something else. And then schedule an online meeting with a friend or a family member in advance and have them help you get your lighting right, get your microphone right, get your your headset right if you're going to use a headset or whatever. Figure out where the controls are. If you're going to be interviewing with more than one person, you want to figure out how to go to gallery view or whatever yep. view makes you more comfortable. Make sure you know how to operate all of those settings in advance so that you're not fumbling around with it at the beginning of the interview. Couldn't agree more. And be really cautious of the, the new gimmicky backgrounds that everybody's playing with. Do not change your background during the interview because that's become one of those distractions. But also just be really aware that that has become a bit of a gimmick thing that people are doing and it doesn't really offer a pure vision of you. So again, go back to the authentic, go back to the tried and true. And I like that you're talking about the witness protection program because you also want to think about your sound. You know how they always distort the voice of, right. you know, I, I don't really want to talk about the truth here. <laughs> so make sure that you're using great sound. Now, you'll notice that all of us. That's a great Yoda impression. Yeah, thank you. Hey. I've, I've been practicing for years. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Phil's jam. You're biting his rhyme. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so you want to make sure that you're using a headset because that's going to cut out any outside noise. It's not that your microphone on your laptop isn't good enough. It's just that if you do have noise, if somebody decides to run through the room, it's going to come into the sound and be another distraction. It's, so it's actually worse than that. I think, you know, you said it because there's all of that. Plus the fact is if you're using the microphone on your iPad, your iPhone, God forbid, or your laptop, uh, it creates an echo typically because that microphone is picking up. You're also using the speakers on that device and one's picking up the other and it just creates this loop back. And it can you can get around that by muting yourself. But man, that's just a lot of extra thinking in the, inside of the call, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And I know, you know, we're speaking to a tech audience. I know you're playing Dungeons and Dragons on Zoom. So make sure you go in before and you turn off your background that you had on last night and you change your name back to your regular name and not <laughs> Dagon the Warlock or whatever you are. Just get those things right ahead of time. Don't, don't launch into the interview with the the huge dragon background and the fake name and be like, oh, I got to change. Sorry. Sorry. You know, come right. on. Right. And I really little, like that you're talking. planning. I just feel like that maybe that's happened to Scott already. Is it called? That has definitely happened to me. And there's a Frank Frazetta print in the back, you know, and it's like right. a giant warrior. Mm -hmm. Okay, all good stuff. 
Carol, all that stuff get, happens. Keep us moving. All right. So let's get down to the nine biggies here. The first one is you must do your research. Know who you're talking to. Know what they are. Know what they do. You want to demonstrate that you see them as more than just your role, that you're actually joining a firm that has a bigger purpose than just your role. And you walking in says that you're a bigger thinker than that. And that's an important piece, especially because tech has a tendency and has a reputation as being somewhat uh, focused, overly focused at times. And we want to make sure you get the best opportunity to present your, your, your best foot. And on that, a lot of people, going forward, that, is no... Oh. I'm sorry, I wanted to just let us riff for just a second on yeah. that bit. So it's do your research, right? And we know research. that. That's important. Um, I think a lot of people forget the fact that when they're going into an interview, they're interviewing the company as well as the company interviewing them. And they don't feel like they're on equal footing. But and it, part of that is they never went back and like said, okay, who are these people? You know, beforehand, right? Why do you, you know, I think somewhere along the way, they ought to be asking you, why do you want to work here? And you ought to have a good answer to that. And you're only going to have that answer if you've done the research, right, Scott? Uh, you have to have gone through their website and read what they say about themselves and what their values are, what their vision statement is, who their customers are, what it is they do. I mean, you should know all of those things and you should be able to um, judiciously spit back some of their own words at them because people yes. love their own words. They wrote them. And so they love to hear them come back from you. It tells them that you uh, have done your homework and that you're, uh, and that you're invested. Right, Carol? Yeah, you know, we were presenting a proposal to a bank, and I remember the gentleman at the end of the table went through the proposal in front of us, and he said, you've clearly been to our website. And we had. We scrubbed it for SEO and keywords. We wanted to know what language they use. And he said, you know, you're the only ones. We got 14 people out there in the lobby all waiting to have this conversation. Yours is the only proposal that actually opened our website. That is a way to differentiate yourself. Yeah, that's not a criticism. It's a compliment. Yeah. So if you're, in a, if you're in a field where you might be pretty much the equivalent to 10 other people who are interviewing, those are the things that distinguish you. That says, I'm not just looking for a paycheck. I'm actually looking to join your company or your team. And right. I'm, I'm looking to be here. So you, if you nail this, you know, you will stand out. And that's what I think the, the learning was from your thing right there. So right. go ahead. Number two. Number two is know the whole company. So it's not just about coming in again for the role or understanding exactly what the product is. It's also about understanding really hot spots. Hot spots right now are sustainability, diversity, and social impact. And most companies have some platform that they're working on. They have a group of activities. You want to be authentic about this. This can't just be you giving lip service to something you don't believe in. But if you authentically buy into whatever it is they're doing, you really want to be able to speak to that. Because what that says is I'm not coming to be a cog in the wheel. I'm coming to join the team and the whole team and all the activities the team is engaged in. Right. And yeah, well, I, I think that's right. And you've got probably something besides work that you're passionate about or a, a cause that you're interested in. And, you know, you can try and look for intersections there with what the company does and have a, a story to tell um, if that comes up in the interview about, you know, how uh, what they're doing or what they're interested in um, matches in some way something that you're doing and that you're interested in. 
Well, and there's also this really bias going on around millennials just job hunt. They All they want to do is go from one job to the next to the next. If you find yourself in that category, this is a way of demonstrating you're looking to join the team. You're not just looking for that quick paycheck until for a year until you go to the next one. You're saying, I'm coming and I want to get engaged in a full, full self way, a very holistic way. Yeah. And I think if you have knowing this, right, that leads you to constructive conversation during the interview. And again, that's going to be visually apparent. You know, we're talking about doing a Zoom interview. Uh, it's going to be pretty clear if you've done your homework and you've got those answers and you've got some interest and you've, you know, Scott talked about, you know, bring out some intersection between where they're headed and where you're headed. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that uh, will, again, help you stand out. Number three. Which is right in there in the same pattern and flow, which is know about the position you're, you're coming in for. When they say, do you have questions? Your question should not be about that specific role because you should know those answers. So you're thinking in terms of how is it that I understand how this fits in and how this might grow. A really common question is, where do you see yourself in three to five years? And you want an answer for that. And if you can, get your, do your best to say, well, as far as I understand it, the hierarchy or the advancement in this would be this next role. And I really aspire at some point to this role. And if you can pull uh, titles out of their hierarchy or their structure, now you look like an incredible hero because you're thinking ahead. You're thinking more than likely towards management if you're not already there. And you're really demonstrating how much you care about them. And every time you do that, you differentiate yourself as well as you invite them to give you information about who they are, which tells you whether or not you do want to be with them. Yeah. So I think playing research. this chess game, playing this game one step ahead of them, right? Being able to think about what your next move is. Yes. I think that's a power play right there. I mean, this is advanced stuff, right? Lots of folks show up to solve the problem in the here and now, and that's a valuable thing. But to be able to say, I know what the next move is, is going to put you way ahead of everybody else. So advanced technique, Scott. Yeah, this is, this is where I wrote down, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. And I think uh, there are great answers to this, where do you want to be in three to five years question? And there are bad answers to it. Um, if I'm bringing you in, let's say I'm hiring you in, you know, in a position over here and I ask you three to five years and you're like, oh, I want to be in this completely other career in three to five years. Well, that's probably not a great answer. Right. Uh, it might be an honest answer, but it's not a great answer because am I going to invest the time and the money to train you if I know that you're already got one foot out the door? On the and other I've, hand- I've had people tell me that, by the way, in interviews. Oh, me too, I've many inter- times. I've, yeah, I've had an interview and they're like, and, what do you, and what's the next step? And they will say, well, in like- 15 months or whatever, I'd like to be doing this. I'm like, uh, yeah. that's not here. I don't know what yeah. that is described, but that's really? not here. Yeah. 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 I'm planning on going to law school and being a lawyer. Okay, great. Well, yeah. good luck with that. Right. Next. Yeah. That's a common yeah. answer. And that's, you know, spoiler alert, not a great answer. On the <laughs> other hand, not only can you do what Carol has uh, recommended, which I think is a great recommendation of look at the org chart and have an answer that's, in that org chart, like, oh, you're hiring me for this. In three to five years, I aspire to move up to this position or something like that. But you can also answer in terms of, I plan to go to night school and get my degree or this certification or whatever. And you can lay out for them in the interview, the advancement path that you're interested in. And 
see their reaction. You know, they're watching you closely for your reactions. You can watch them closely for their reactions too. And if their reactions are like, yeah, it's never going to happen. You're going to be a salt mine slave forever, boy. <laughs> uh, then maybe that's not the company for you. Right. And if they, if they say, Oh, that's great. Well, we have a program that helps people do that. Or we, we that's what we would like. Right. You can see that and you'd be like, okay, this is a place I might want to work. So this is a, a great question and a great response to have to do all of that. Yeah. Let me give you one advanced technique on this thing, by the way, because it's quite possible someone would come to this bit of advice and say, know the next move. And it's for some reason from the outside, undiscernible, right? It's possible that you would come to this part of the interview and there was just no amount of research that would give you the answer. And I think at that point, if this is something you want to have a good answer for, looking the interviewer back in the eye and saying, you know what? I'm not exactly sure what the path looks like in this company. The most successful people in this position, where do they end up in three to five years, right? And that just kind of plays it back to them and say, I would like to know what those opportunities are. You're going to have to tell me because I couldn't figure it out. And when they ask you, do you have any questions for us? That's the question you want on your lips. Where is this going? What kind of training do you have to really support people who are excited about wanting to advance? What, where do you see someone in three to five years? What characteristics have you seen to be the most successful in this type of a role? Those are the questions rather than, well, when does it start? Well, how much does it pay? Well, you know, those things that are, well, do, what do I do? Can well? I bring my dog? How, how yes. soon do I get vacation? Yes. <laughs> All of the questions that either you should know or you should not be asking in any case at this point. But yeah. I love that kind of in-depth of where do you see it in three to five years? Yeah. Now, I have actually answered this question in, in ways that it was successful once and fell flat immediately. Someone said, where do you see yourself in three to five years? And I said, in your chair. And the one person said, okay, that's a little too cocky for us. You can leave now. And I thought that was probably better anyway. And the other one said, you know, that's a really good reminder. I don't want to be here in three to five years. It will be open. So that's a great start. <laughs> and I thought that was a really good start for both of us to go, kind of kind of like the cut of your jib here. I think this is going to work. Let's see what goes. And it was, it was a very successful experience. So it's always important to be you. At the same time, there are ways that you can enhance you to make mm -hmm. sure that you're understanding what you're bringing and understanding what they're offering. Which takes us to number four, which is practice answering your questions with a timer. When you are giving answers, this is not your time to simply start riffing. If you go past 90 seconds, you're probably going to exceed the limitation. Now, there, there are exceptions to that. If someone asks you a highly technical question and you are absolutely sure that they can go there with you, there are moments that you could go to say two minutes. But even the most savvy of technical people wants to get in and ask questions. You have to understand when it is time to overview, stop, See if they ask a question that takes you to the next level. Go ahead and give them that next level stop and see where the questioning ends. You want to give them a chance to tell you how deep they want to go so that you don't end up in a two-hour novel that absolutely, they say, oh, you know, really smart person, really educated, great experience, cannot stand to be around them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, 60 seconds really, right? I mean, 90 even is pushing it. It is. Um, yeah, I think this is great advice. It's great advice for just being on a podcast. It's great advice for being on a work call. It's great advice for anything. You just, you find, 
you answer the question and then, you know, maybe they've got a look in your eye, like you're not sure if they understood you. So you give an example and then a story and then maybe something that's related just to kind of clarify. And pretty soon you've been talking and talking and talking and talking. It's terrible. It's not. And I think the metaphor people try to look for is the home run. Oh, I hit a home run with that question. But I think it's a terrible metaphor because they pitch the question. You hit the home run. You kind of watch it sail out of the park. You trot around the bases. You know, no, it's tennis. It's tennis, man. They hit it to you. You volley it back. And then you wait on the return and you hit it back. And just try to get a nice volley going, don't you think, Bill? Yeah, you know, this is a conversation to your point, right? And so having that go back and forth is exactly what you wanted to do. So we want, you know, just like Carol said, you know, practice this with a timer. Make sure that you're not giving long answers. And the other thing is, you know, in the actual in situation, right, when you're there doing it, you can watch body language and look for that cue to jump out of your answer, right? So uh, if the other cat's gritting their teeth, it's time to move along. Uh, you know, you yes. look for the muscles along the top to their temples. And if you can see them clenching their jaw, then it's time to move along quickly if you can pull that off. And you might even call that if you're going to call it. But I think knowing that your answer should be short is a useful one. And if mm -hmm. in doubt, stop talking. Mm -hmm. Because and what we have seen is people will start answering. This is my favorite piece. Never start answering a question until you know what they're asking. Get clarity. And once you start, if you find yourself in the weeds and it happens to everybody, just stop. Say, you know, I may have wandered off topic. I'm wondering if you could repeat the question. I'm wondering if we could, if we could hit reset. Just call yourself on it. Talking until you stumble into the answer almost never works. So just, just call it what it is, you know? I think I've gotten off track. That alone demonstrates self-awareness in a profound way that says, I'm not always concise. I'm not always crystal clear. I'm not perfect. But I do know how to stop a train before it wrecks. And no, on the other it. hand, yeah, on the other hand, you don't want to just be like, yes, no. Right. Yes, no. And now it's, part of it is it's their job to ask good open-ended questions. But even if they're not doing that, you need to give some, you need to give a good answer, not too long, not too short. And you need to trust the next question that they're going to ask you what's important to them. After all, they're the ones interviewing you. They should know what they think is important. Let them ask you. And it's yeah. okay to say, you know, the short answer to that is no. And I could go into more detail is that, and then watch. And now this is where we're going to do the eye contact thing. When you're speaking, you should be looking at the little green dot. When they're speaking, you should be looking at them so that you can see all the things that, that Phil just talked about, where there's tension in their face, or you can see the eye rolling, or you start seeing body motion that's going on that tells you their foot's wiggling, or they're just, or they look at their watch. Any of those things, <laughs> mean, stop talking. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number five is practice simplifying or just simplify your answers. Kara, what are you talking about there? I'm talking about simplifying is not the same as dumbing down. Dumbing down is this idea that I'm the smartest person on this call and I'm just going to talk to you like you're an idiot. The reality is you may know more about the topic than the person who's interviewing you. Let's say that you're a high tech person and you're interviewing with an HR, but that doesn't mean you have to slow down and start speaking as though that person is an idiot. What you say is just go a little bit higher level, make it into a more simplified, easier to understand. 
the layman's terms, get rid of the acronyms, be very careful about the inside of the buzzwords. If you're using terms they don't understand, they will not tell you they don't understand, they're just gonna let them go on by. They won't think, oh my gosh, this person is so smart, they're gonna think this person doesn't know how to speak mere mortal. And if you can't mm -hmm. speak mere mortal, what am I gonna do when you get in front of our clients? Because they speak mere mortal. So think of it as, I know something really intriguing, I'd like to share a little bit of what I know with someone who hasn't been exposed to this. What is the easiest, simplest way I can get there so that they can, we can have a good conversation? Yeah, and for those people who aren't used to you know, doing this kind of stuff off the cuff, this is where the practice really works well, right? So they can, you know, well, explain to me how you change this blah, 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 pick a number, pick a device, pick a thing. And, uh, you know, having done that, having actually had some experience and of just running that answer out and realize, and by the way, when we say practice, what Carol meant, we might not have said this, you practice out loud. You don't get to practice in your head because that's not the same as practicing. That's your brain fills in all the gaps and you don't want any of that to happen. So when you practice this out loud and you listen to it back and you go, oh, wait a second, that really didn't make any sense. And I can just do another take, as they say, and just you know do that till you feel like you got it right. Yeah, you can practice by trying to explain it to a non-technical friend as well. Yes. And a human, get a human engaged because there is a difference when eyes are on you than when it's just you talking to yourself in the camera or talking to yourself in the car or something and your dog doesn't count because they love you no matter what. You want to find somebody who says, I, I don't understand. I'm not following your theme. I don't understand what you're trying to explain to me. What's your point? The more willing they are to give you honest feedback, the better this is going to be. And the more you can practice with humans, the better especially on this kind of thing. And I loved your idea earlier, Scott, about practice on different platforms. In the past two weeks, I have had to go on to Skype, Skype for Business, WebEx, Zoom, um, Adobe, and there was one other one in there. And I went in and I got free um, rep, uh, subscriptions to everything just so I could play with the tools before we had the conversation. Yeah. So, and then I always get on early because I'd rather be sitting there waiting on them than going, ah, what happened? This isn't right. That's not right. So yeah. practice, 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 cannot get enough practice, especially on things like really good answers about a project you may have been on that may be highly technical, but what you're really focusing on is what do they care about? They probably care about the outcomes. They probably care about the team dynamics more than they care about the technical detail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So the next step in the, in the process, another thing to remember is to know what you do well, you said, but you know, what we're talking about here is, you know, again, just knowing what your strengths are. Know your strengths, right? Absolutely. Know what your strengths are and be able to give at least a few examples of them. You may not need all of them, but if you have some practice stories in your personal library, kind of tucked in your head, your go-to stories, you're going to be ready when they say, so tell us what you do well. So tell us what some of your strengths are. And this is probably one of the more difficult things that people have to do in an interview because so rarely are we able to just unload about who we are. Now, this isn't a time to stand there and, you know, don't you wish you were me, but it is a time to allow yourself credit. You know, um, I'm really proud of this particular thing that happened. Uh, it had a tremendous amount of business impact, and I'm feeling really that was a good project to be a part of, and I walked away from that having learned things and grown in confidence. 
very short, very sweet, and perhaps a, a, a detail or two of it, why it was such a great project. Maybe it came in under budget, maybe it came in under time limits, that kind of a thing. So being able to speak to your abilities is huge. Just make yeah. sure that you're doing it again in a very nice, concise way and in a way that might be a little bigger than you might be used to, but doesn't stomp around thinking I'm the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. Now the flip side of this is know your limitations and that's your next bullet point. Yeah. Um, talk to me about, I mean, I know what my limitations are. I'm not going to talk about that. Okay, so this is just going to demonstrate to you how old I am, because when I was first learning these kinds of skills before my first job, they used to tell us that when somebody said, what are your limitations, you give them kind of a nonsensical answer. Something like, I just work too hard. All I ever want to do is work, work, work. It's just such a, it's such a bad thing, which is supposed to, of course, make your, your employer go, oh my gosh, you work so hard. I think that's nonsense and it no longer applies. What really works well is for you to say, here is my limitation. I'm a human being. Of course, I have limitations. And the key is, and here's how I manage it. So you have self-awareness as well as self-management, two of the biggest factors in emotional intelligence. So it's not just what's wrong, it's how are you working with it. For example, maybe you say, you know, I've noticed that in times I've, been, I've gotten feedback that some of my answers in situations just like this get a little too long. So I made the decision that I was going to go and see a coach about it. And I found that through that coaching, I really learned how to get a story and how to think a little bit more concisely and then be able to express myself in a more engaging way. When you do that, what you're saying is, A, I'm self-aware. B, I can go get help. I know how to get help when I, done, when I stumble into something that doesn't work well. And C, I'm coachable. When you give me feedback, I will change behaviors. Huge, huge demonstration of emotional intelligence. So. Yep, I think that makes sense. Um, and, you know, I'd, again, it's not a topic I would normally go to, but one of the things I want to think about, talk about here is both those stories, both knowing my strength and knowing my weaknesses, those are things that are going to come up in an interview. And it's really easy to watch that person's face that is you while they're answering that question. Do you buy your answer? Are you rolling your eyes when you do this, right? Are you comfortable and confident with that answer? Um, this is going to be really apparent. So this is one of the reasons we want you to take even the hard questions and practice those ahead of time. Know your strengths, know your weaknesses. Again, be able to do the weaknesses, just like Carol said, by saying, here's, here's a limitation. Here's how I get around that thing. Um, but listen, I'm admitting that I know how to to work on me, right? That's a, I'm a work in progress, always. And isn't every high performer a work in progress? I think that's one of the things that makes them that, is that self-awareness and that going, hmm, you know what, I've hit a new limit. Let me see what I can do about that. And sometimes it remains a limit. There are people who are just not naturally organized. And so they will always be looking for that way to make sure that they get the minimal amount of organization necessary. And sometimes you just plain overcome it, like something like being able to answer concisely, where it becomes the new norm for you, which is, there's just huge hope for all of this. Yeah. So, all right. That's seven of the points. Now, next one is number eight, and it's beware the eyes. And the I right here is that big old capital I. My very favorite subject in the world is me, Carol Hamilton. How do I, what do I need to do? 
Have you ever seen a resume? And I'm sure you've both done a fair, I know you've both done enough interviewing to know that when you get into a resume and they say, I did this and then I did this and then I did this and then I did that. And you're on line three and you think to yourself, I know it's you. It's okay. I'm, I, it's your resume. Of course it was you that did it. There's something about the I, 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 that is just really hard to hear. And it doesn't really intrigue you into thinking, this is somebody who's going to come and be a member of our team. This is somebody who's going to come and work well within the company. There are jobs where you are totally autonomous, but, but most of them require some degree of interaction with others. And if all you know how to say is I, you are probably going to chase them away. Balancing it with, I did, my role in it was this, and the company was able to, the team was able to accomplish. Uh, while there, our project team was. Think about our, think about the company. Make it bigger than just you because the chances are it was. Yeah, yeah and I think how you, again, you know, I think you just framed a type of answer there, which is useful, right? You start with the idea to say, well, when my resume goes, I, 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 I. Now there are people, that's the style of their resume. But what we really want to do is when you're in that interview process is to be able to provide the entire frame for someone and say, the company was headed in this direction. So we built a team that did this. My contribution was to do this part of that thing. And so that way you can understand and how that all got accomplished and what you did. And, you know, a lot of times it's like, well, the team did this. And I'm like, well, yeah, but where were you in that? I mean, I have to ask right. that question. And uh, I mean, mm -hmm. I think it'd just be cool to, to give me an entire frame of what's going on with the world and, and what did you do? Cause that's the thing I'm always worried about when I do ask the question, I want to know what this person I'm looking at did in this process, because that's going to help me figure out if they can do the same thing in my organization, right? So I do want to know what they did. Yeah, and you do want to know that they understand their role within the framework of the bigger situation, right? That they're not going to be, nobody wants to hire a prima donna. Nobody wants to hire the next guy who's going to come in. And when you have a success, it was all him and right. or her. And when you have a failure, it wasn't their responsibility. Nobody wants that guy, no matter how high a performer they are. You don't want to hire that guy. Um, also, I think it's important to lev leaven this advice with what, what role are they hiring you for, right? If I'm right. hiring you to be a, a developer who's going to be off all by himself developing a discrete piece of software, then I don't mind as many eyes with what you've developed before because you're working alone. If I'm hiring you to be a manager, I don't want to hear any eyes. I want to know how the team was led and what challenges you had and you overcame. So no, you know, how you talk about your role in some way depends on what role you're applying for. Yeah, but, and, and I agree with that. And it takes me back to, and where does this lead to? Because one of the things that we've seen, and I've seen this in companies over and over, is they will have absolute geniuses who want to then move up into management because they want the title and they want the money. And they haven't been thinking in terms of we the whole time. And now suddenly they go, well, how do I advance? And they're right now, I think this is changing, but a lot of companies don't have that track for the, just the subject matter experts. They have to go into some form of management. If I'm sitting in HR and I've got you in front of me to be a developer, all you say is I, and I get the next developer who's absolutely equal in all other ways. And they say the occasional we, in terms of long-term, I'm probably going with the person who knows how to throw in we, even if it's not for that job. 
Yeah, and if even if you've been in a job where it's just you and you want to move up into management, you can still talk about we, even if you talk about it in terms of what your manager did or didn't do well that you admired or thought you could improve on. Right. And I love where you use examples like that, especially when you're talking about somebody that you really appreciated. And you could say, you know, I, you know, even just in the limitations area, I once worked for a boss who had this limitation and it was such an honor to be able to learn from how they managed that and to watch their humility in the management of that. So I love being able to go back and to have those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're going to beware the eyes. And the last one on your nine is focus on the future. Again, this is kind of that playing one step ahead. Talk about this. Yeah. So often I have been in these, these reviews where we had panels where people came in for interviews and they would walk in and they would focus on their experience and they would tell us about their resume. And when they were done, I'd say, you have absolutely convinced me you were the perfect person to do the job you're doing. You have not convinced me you were ready for that promotion. The same thing happens here. Don't get so caught up in your resume. We see your resume. We're reading your resume. What are you going to do? Where's your future? What are you driving towards? Not just you, but also how could you bring some value to the company? There's a major Silicon Valley company that ends every interview with what they call the uh, bar raiser. And their job at the end of the day, after you've been absolutely beat up by everybody else, is to say, what value are you bringing into this company that we wouldn't have without you? That's the question I wish everybody would answer before they get into it, whether they have a bar raiser or not, is to say, who am I in the future? What could I bring? How do I see the future of the industry? How do I see my future as growth, regardless of what level you're interviewing for? Your ability to walk in and say, I think in bigger terms, I have vision for me, for the company, for the industry, is a game changer. As opposed to, well, now you'll notice in 19, you know, whatever, I did this job and let me tell you about that. Bottom line, you're there because of your resume. Get off of it as fast as you can and say, I want to use everything you're seeing on that page to build this. Yeah. So I like this. I mean, I think we've got a lot of good points here. We said we were going to give you nine. I think we've got nine here. There's a couple of things we talked about that were Zoom stuff that we should talk about that were specific. And we did some of that up front. Um, but one of the ones I remember us talking about beforehand was uh, eating or drinking on the call. I mean, you're trying to minimize distractions, right? But, uh, you know, uh, I, I know you're going to think I'm telling the tale, but this was not a Zoom call. This was a live interview. I had a guy bring his lunch one time <laughs> to a live job interview, and it was fried chicken in a box. <laughs> I know you think I'm lying about this, but he I was told demonstrating the ability to multitask, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> and, he and he really did uh, it will come as no surprise to you this was a tech position I was hiring for it will come as no surprise to you that he walked in and, he's, and he actually had a box of Kentucky Fried Chicken with him a lunch size box did not bring any for me let me just go ahead and get to your question uh, <laughs> you, you saw it forming on my lips yeah and he said uh, is it um, is it okay I'm sorry he said is it okay if I eat while we uh, do this, because I'm doing this on my lunch hour. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, the funny thing about that is that prior to Corona, we used to talk all the time that 75% of all interviews are done over food and they're done over food to prove to a point, which is we want to know who you are in a restaurant because we want to know who you are in front of clients if you're eating, because it's not unusual to eat with clients. But the whole concept of this has thrown everything out. Don't bring water, don't bring food, don't bring anything to drink, anything that has mouth noises to it, because if you're not used to a microphone, it picks it all up. So absolutely, I, um, that just takes some lack of social awareness to bring food and not bring some for you is the real kicker. Yeah. <laughs> if he had brought chicken for you, would that have sealed it? Would that have, that, that's a higher right there. This guy had other problems. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's probably, that's probably the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> yeah, this guy had other problems. All right, so I'm going to give uh, one last point on this. Um, I, this is, uh, to me, the most amazing interview closing technique if you are the interview subject. And I've coached a lot of people on this. I know Scott's heard me do this pitch before. But the last question that you should ask is a variation of a thing that's done in sales calls and it's called the thermometer close. So when they look back, when the interviewer looks back at you as the subject, you need one last question, you need to know how to respond to it. And so your last question should be this. When he says, what do you need, well, you know, what, what, uh, what questions do you have for us? And it looks like we're at the end of this interview, say, you know what, I really enjoyed the time that we've had here today to talk to one another. And I've appreciated it. Now, let's just imagine in your head that you want the job because this is gonna change how you ask this question. You might not even be bothered asking the question if you don't really care because you can get to the end of an interview and decide you don't wanna work for these people, that's okay. But if you do, <laughs> then your question is, then what you say to them is, so I've really enjoyed this conversation on a scale of one to 10, where 10 is you are ready to offer me the job and one, is I am just not the right fit for this position. Where would you put me? Now, the reason you ask this question is you want, this is your chance to figure out how well you actually did on this interview. Because you might have been talking all the time. You feel like this went super good. You know, and it, for any number of reasons, your own ability to read the situation is wrong. It's compromised by you being so deeply involved in it, right? So you ask them on a scale of one to 10, how did I do? And they will answer with a number. And if that number is in that one to five or one to six range, something like that, let's say one to five, um, you're gonna say, it sounds like I'm not a good fit. And thank you for telling me that. And if you didn't, if it, that's okay with you, then you just walk away from that. If that number is six, seven, eight, nine, and you think, oh, okay, I want this gig, let me head in the right direction. Let's figure it out. So then you look back at him and you say, six, huh? Or seven. What would you need to hear from me to make it a 10? And then you can figure out what the gap is in that person's, in the interviewer's mind between you and the perfect fit. Let me tell you, having taken that all the way up to that point, I have heard the response. That's all I needed to hear to make it a 10. Ah, right nice. and then he said and of course if it's a 10 well what's between us getting this started what's the next step that's right? fantastic so that's, yeah so this here's the thing i have coached lots of people 
who are looking for their next gig. And you ask them how the interview went and either they give you this nebulous answer and I don't know if they're trying, if they're lying to me or lying to themselves or they don't know. They never asked, (laughs) how could they figure this out? Right. But if you do this thermometer close, then you know where you were in this. And if you do it, I chose mastery of this situation that very few interviewers see. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I think that's absolutely brilliant. And I think most people do walk out completely blind. I don't know what happened. I I think I was magnificent. And then they sit by the, back in the old days, wait by the mailbox. But now it's, uh, yeah, that's a brilliant way to do it. That I would suggest you practice. Because when you're adrenaline <laughs> and you really, really want that job, you're going to want that buried in your deep, your long-term memory so mm-hmm. that you can ask that gracefully. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think you should. And, and yes, so that you can ask that well. And again, show command inside the situation. Yeah. All right, Carol, I am convinced that we have over-delivered on our nine ways <laughs> to uh, <laughs> nail that Zoom interview. I know it's just going to be a little bit long, but I think there's tons of gold inside here. It's not even hard to mine. You just go and lift it off the ground, right? So very good. Uh, Carol, let me ask. I mean, I, I think some folks are going to go, man, this is a lot of great advice, but uh, I need this question. Or I've got that question. What's the next step? You know, if someone, for example, wanted to uh, chat with you about this, how do they find you? The easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn, Carol Hamilton Live, or you could send me an email, carol at redfoxroad.com, and I will answer you as quickly as I can. We can talk about anything you need to know. Super. Well, I am super glad that you were here to help us uh, go through these today. Uh, Scott, folks might want to be talking to you. You got some uh, good advice for some people. How do they find you? Uh, They can also find me on LinkedIn at slash Scott Pfeiffer, uh, or you can send me an email at strategybusinessconsulting at gmail.com. All right. Thank you, friends. This is Phil Yanov. I'm the founder of Tech After Five, and you can find me at philyanov.com if that's what you want to do, and it will lead you to all those other places. Let's connect on uh, LinkedIn if that makes sense to you. Um, I'd tell you to call me, but there's no point. I don't really return calls. Uh, but the good <laughs> news true. is my voicemail will tell you I do not return calls. So. <laughs> no problem at all. So uh, go to philyanov.com. Let's be friends on LinkedIn and uh, make some connections and make some cool things happen. Thank you. And we will see you next week.